0: Feel the rush, baby. Hello and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. That was the theme song for The Real Housewives of Miami. Now here's the deal. We're going to be talking about this week's episode of The Real Housewives of Miami on Everything Iconic, which I know is not a traditional thing that we cover here on the pot. We sometimes dip into Miami, but we're covering it this week because I am traveling again. So here's the deal. I'm traveling and I wasn't sure if I'd be able to get to an episode. However, I was able to get my hands on the Miami episode a little bit early. So I thought, you know what? Let's dip into Miami. Maybe after Miami, we'll maybe dip into Potomac a little bit. These are shows that uh, unfortunately I haven't been able to cover this season because I've been underwater. I have been on tour. I've been releasing my new book, The Jolliest Bunch, available now. And it's just been a lot going on, a lot of travel, a lot of stuff. And so I'm a little overwhelmed, but I know that I will get through this. Well, I'm- I'll get through this. And in the meantime, uh, we are going to be covering this week's Real House of Miami. And I don't know what that means for the future, if we're going to be continuing to cover it all season. I know I've been neglecting the Real House of Beverly Hills. Of course, Salt Lake, we've been going at it because it's been airing. And I love recapping Salt Lake City. But I was just able to get my hands on the Miami episode early. So we're covering that this week. And so apologies if in the future, who knows what we're covering? I don't know. I don't even know what we're doing here on Everything Iconic these days. I'm trying my best. And I did just play that Cher clip and I just have to give a little shout out to Cher's new holiday Christmas album because I'm obsessed with it. It's got a song called DJ Play a Christmas song that essentially sounds like Believe but with a jingle bell. And then also she's got this song that doesn't really sound like anything else on the album called I Like Christmas, but it's got this that Cher twang in it. So she just sings a bunch of say, I like Christmas. I like Christmas. <laughs> It's my favorite thing, and it just plays in my head all, literally all day long. Ever since I heard this song, it's just like, a la Christmas. And when I'm out shopping, if I see a snack that has a peppermint on it, or I see a Santa at the mall, all I think is, a la Christmas. A la Christmas! <laughs> anyway, let's talk about The Real Houses Miami. Now, last week on Miami, I thought it was one of the most beautiful scenes I'd ever seen on a Real house size franchise, or any show on Bravo, when Gertie sat some of the gals down and revealed her breast cancer diagnosis. She revealed it to Dr. Nicole, Julia, and Adriana. And what was so beautiful was seeing them come together. They very clearly have a relationship. And then there were also so many different layers. So Nicole is, of course, a doctor. And I felt like she knew what Gertie was about to say before she even said it. So you see the tears in her eyes. And she's thinking of it, I think, probably from a medical perspective. Then we have Julia, who just went through or is in the process of going through this cancer situation with her significant other, Martina. And so she's looking at it from uh, her the significant other's point of view and from the kid's perspective. And so she's got tears in her eyes, and she's thinking about that thing. And then Adriana seems to have a very close relationship with Gertie, and so she sort of screams, and it's, uh, I don't know, I just thought it was such a beautiful moment of these people coming together. And so after that scene airs, Then last week on the show, we saw Gertie sitting down with Larsa Pippen. Now, Larsa and her had been having some trouble with their relationship. And so at the end of last week's episode, when they sat down, they seemed to be not connecting, but it ended on a cliffhanger. And then we open this week with Larsa really not being so nice to Gertie, but Larsa doesn't know that Gertie's about to reveal this very important health information. So I did understand Larsa's point of view from this uh, aspect. But Gertie eventually does say, I have breast cancer. And Larsa is spiraling on camera because she's just thinking, oh my God, how's this going to come across on camera? I was just being a monster to you. And then Larsa just keeps saying, well, how am I supposed to know that? Or how did you know? How do you know that? And Gertie's like, well, what do you mean? How the fuck do I know? (laughs) I mean, Gertie's like, I went to the doctor and the doctor told me I got diagnosed with that. Larsa keeps asking, how do you know you have cancer? And Gertie's like, well, I'm telling you, I went to the doctor, you dummy. I I love it. But Larsa doesn't know. And I think she's just thinking how she's looking on camera. But ultimately, they end up making up. And during this conversation, Gertie says very clearly, very clearly, like, I haven't told everyone. I just told those other gals, but I haven't told the whole group. And I want to be the one to say it. And so please, I just want to make sure that's clear. She even says to Larsa, I want to make sure that is clear that not everybody knows, and I want to be the one to share. it. So then, you guys, it's so funny. All of a sudden, we see this thing that pops up on the screen. It says, six hours later. And it's six hours later, Larsa talking to her friends about Gertie's breast cancer. And it's so horrible. It's like, Larsa... Gertie just told you not to tell nobody. And then not only are you telling some friends at first, it was six hours later, and I thought she's just telling some close friends that uh, seemingly aren't in the group of uh, women on camera for this show. So I was like, even excusing it for Larsa for a second. I was like, I don't know who these women that she's telling are. I don't know who the fuck they are. I've never seen them before. I don't even know if they're mic'd. So I kind of let that slide. I was like, at least she didn't tell the other gals in the cast. And then uh, she throws this party for her boyfriend, Marcus. And then immediately starts telling everybody at the party. She told Alexia. And I was like, Larsa, you need to cool it. I couldn't believe that she was doing this. It was like the most shocking thing I'd ever seen. I mean, there was a lot of shocking things at this party, too. She's throwing a party for the young boyfriend, Marcus. And then we find out it's like a coming home party. She's like, welcome home, Marcus. And it's like acting as if he went off to war or something. And then we find out he just went away for five days. Five days away from my significant other, that's vacation. And I'm sorry, I love Matt dearly, my boyfriend, but I'm not putting up the signs after five days away. I'm like, stay away a little longer, maybe. You know, I need a vacation. And so, I mean, I guess it's young love or it's new love, but it's fascinating to me, five days. It's like, wow, my boyfriend wouldn't get that kind of behavior out of me. If anything, I'd say, leave again. Like That that would be the banner at my party to welcome Matt home after five days. Like, turn around. (laughs) to get back on another plane. I need some more time away. Love him dearly. Uh, and then speaking of relationships, Lisa and the boyfriend Jody. I would like Lisa, I'm a little worried. Obviously the other gals are too. I'm a little worried about this Jody man who I met at BravoCon and seemed lovely. He seemed like a handsome man and wonderful for her. However, I'm concerned because in the episode, she keeps talking about Lenny and he's right there. This Jody's right there. And I'm like, you need to go cool at least because you don't want to screw things up with this man. And I would like her to just take a little extra time She's just still going through it with the Lenny situation. She's still in the midst of it. I don't even think she's divorced yet. So I just, I want to, I, I want to be careful. I want us to have eyes and ears on this. I'm seeing some red flags. I'm just a little worried, just worried out of concern, out of love. Because also they showed up dressing at this party like Brittany and Justin did at the VMAs in All Denim. I didn't care for that. I just didn't care for that. It, it, it all worries me. It's all feels like red flags. They're both beautiful, beautiful couple. But it does uh, worry me. It does worry me. Now, Alexia arrives with Todd. Another thing that worries me is that I am, I'm sorry to say, I'm attracted to Todd. This is not right. And speaking of red flags, I do believe that there are some red flags there, but I don't care. That's my truth, and I'm here to live my truth. I think that man is hot. Todd, Alexi's husband, is a hot man. And so, uh, yeah, of course, they are trying to hide divorce rumors. And oh, my God, did you guys see all that stuff about the airport? I don't know if you've been following the TMZ story, but apparently after BravoCon, the Miami gals were flying back to MIA. And off the airplane... Adriana and Alexia got into a big fight. And Alexia was uh, defending herself, saying she's the star of the show after Adriana said, you act like you're the star of the show. And then Adriana was like talking about their financial troubles with Todd. It seemed like some juicy stuff. But I was actually very proud that they got on TMZ. I, I know that's sick and twisted, but the Miami gals need the press. We need to get press. And so I'm thrilled the fact that TMZ is finally recognizing our gals for the queens that they are. Because like I said last week on the podcast, you need to sit your ass in front of the TV and watch Miami. It's delivering week after week. And so now that it's entering the zeitgeist on TMZ, I'm like, okay, maybe got something here. Maybe it'll encourage people to tune into this show. So bravo to all the people that was – everything that was happening at the airport. I haven't seen footage yet. In the article that I read, it said like somebody got footage of them yelling at the Miami airport baggage claim. And I'm like, where is – somebody get me that footage and let's air it on the show. Let's show it at the reunion. I bet you Bravo stepped in and got that footage. That's probably why it wasn't on TMZ, because it did say, at least what I read at the very bottom of the article, it said like somebody was capturing the video. And then I was looking everywhere. I was like sleuthing around the dark web trying to find this video that they said they had. I bet you Bravo stepped in. Daddy Andy was just like calling up TMZ and was like, give me that footage. We're saving it for the reunion. And I'm happy about it. But I'm just thrilled that they're in the zeitgeist, although I don't like my gals fighting with each other. I love Adriana and Alexia, so I don't want to see those two fight. And I do, I'm someone who believes that Adriana should have a mojito in them opening credits. Um, anyway, so I do find Todd sexy, despite the fact that everything in me is saying that you should not say that out loud. It's my truth. Uh, I find him very sexy. And also, there was a scene where Alexia and Todd were sitting down for dinner, and Alexia looked exactly like Anna Ferris in The House Bunny. Okay, just try to find the scene where it's just the two of them. It was when she was talking about uh, doing laundry for Peter, her son, who's 30. And Todd was like, what do you mean you're getting laundry or doing laundry? Or I forget what she said. Maybe she's bringing him dinner. I don't know what she said. But she was doing something for the son. And Todd's like, he's 30 years old. He's got to do that on his own. And I was so distracted because I was like, this is a scene from House Bunny. And I mean that in the most complimentary of ways because Anna Ferris looks stunning in that film. And Alexi looks stunning. So I don't know. I was just, but I do find Todd sexy. Now, Larsa is planning this charity basketball game because Marcus, you know, is, she, he's the son of Michael Jordan. And so it's a great idea to have the basketball game. But the whole relationship really confuses me because he's so young. And not to say that there can't be big age gaps in between people in a relationship, but it seems like a pretty big age gap. And if there's one thing I know or have learned from my arch nemesis, Patty Stanger, it's that nine years and more is that's the cutoff. That's what Patty Stanger always used to say. And now I don't trust many things that that woman said. She had a whole vendetta against the redheads and people with curly hair. And so we do not trust her all the time. But I did think she made some points when she said that nine years or nine plus years is, is too much when it's over a decade, I think she said. 10 years plus, over a decade, that's when uh, you can't connect with each other. But here's Larsa and Marcus, I guess proven Patty wrong. They need to call up Patty and say, I got you, girl. Because <laughs> <laughs> do you imagine if they just called, like Marcus calling Patty Stanger and being like, I got you, girl? <laughs> Doesn't even make any fucking sense. Anyway, Larsa should call her and say that because uh, she seemingly has a good chemistry with this man. She was sitting on his lap when they were at dinner, which I don't love. I don't. I'm not a PDA person, in particular, when you're having a nice little dinner party that's intimate, because it's already a lot to take in for the naked eye, having to look at Lisa and the boyfriend Jody dressed like Brittany and Justin at the VMAs. But then to add on Lisa or Larsa sitting on Marcus's lap when they're trying to have this intimate moment. I don't know. It just didn't feel right to me. It didn't feel right to me. Um, But I mentioned Lisa's talking too much about Lenny and the ex, and that does worry me. She introduces at this dinner that she's going to be doing this beauty, fragrance, and body line. uh, And whatever that means, I'm in. Because I do want her to be financially independent from that man, that demon Lenny. And so I'm going to support it. I'm going to buy, I don't know what we're buying, beauty, fragrance, and body stuff. We're buying it. So get in line at behind me at CVS, if wherever the beauty counter is going to be, Sephora, I don't care. I'm in line because I need her to be financially independent from that that asshole, allegedly, uh, that she was married to. Um Anyway, though, after she introduces that, then she keeps talking about Lenny, and even the other gals are like, you need to cool it. You need to stop it, Lisa. Please, it's too much. And they did send the guys away, So they said, guys, you guys go outside and the gals, we're all going to sit in here and have our little, and we're going to talk about you. And so immediately when the guys go outside and the women sit down, that's when Kiki starts talking about circumcision. And that's what I like Kiki there for. I mean honestly Kiki gives me all that comedic relief that we need in the confessional and then in her scene she's very sex positive and I just I am fine with her just popping up in a confessional every once in a while to say that some men have a small penis and that they shouldn't get it circumcised because that's the kind of point of view that I'm interested in seeing on these shows. And so we love the dramatic queens on any of our Housewives franchise. We love when they bring the drama or the of course people love seeing fights on TV and everything. But sometimes I just want to see someone like Kiki show up and look amazing and then give us some uh, line about a penis. And that's enough for me. She's a comedy queen. She's just adding funny, sexy comments and she's looking good while doing it. Um so that's really good. And then uh let's see, they talk uh they tell Lisa to stop it And when they sat down to the other thing that made me laugh was Alexia, like immediately sitting down for dinner, said to Lisa, "Uh, Lisa, any new information? And like she was just cutting to the chase. She had somewhere to be after filming. And she's like, Lisa, get out all the stuff you need to about Lenny so we can all go home. Like Alexia immediately sitting down, Lisa, any new information? I was like, yeah, get right to the point. Uh, Then we see Dr. Nicole buying boats. Uh, Now, I love watching dr nicole just spend all that money i mean she's real fucking rich she's like the real kind of rich you know when they were looking at the boats and she's like i need a pool and what i like about dr nicole is that she's fun about it like she seems to be aware of the fact that she's like super super rich and so she's aware that it comes across as maybe superfluous or she's doing too much but she seems to have a good sense of humor about it and so that's why i like watching her just be super rich uh, but she's uh, in a playful, uh, playful way, and they are talking about baby number two. So God bless. I hope it works out. But I, I could watch them forever, just buying shit, just the her and the husband just buying stuff and being at that house. I love looking at the house, and I like Doctor Nicole. She, it's just a stacked cast too, because I feel like I'm pretty happy watching any of them individually. Sometimes on the other franchises, I think to myself like, Oh God, I gotta see a scene of, I don't know, Kyle Richards at her house with the kids. Like I'm not interested. But here on Miami, I'm like, I'm happy to go spend time at any of them houses. I don't care whose uh, individual solo scene it is. I feel like I'm having a good time. And speaking of having a good time, I had a great time with Julia, who's now learning opera. She's learning to sing opera. Because her and Martina, they listened to opera, and they had like a, a wonderful, beautiful moment between the two of them and their relationship regarding opera and Martina's cancer. And so it's like a beautiful, it's got a lot of heart and reason of why she's doing it and it was so funny to me because julia was trying to act like this is so crazy and i know i'm going to be terrible but i'm going to i'm going to do this for my partner during her cancer journey and she's just being uh very self-deprecating about it and normally when we see these scenes of the housewife singing it's not that right like i think of countess swan who even i think looks like julia in a lot of ways but normally when we're getting into a scene of a housewife singing it's like countess swan being like Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Countess speaking. And then here, here, here it's a Julia learning opera. And she's saying, like, I know I'm going to sound bad, but I'm just doing this for her. But then she ends up sounding, like, way better than Luanne. I'm sorry. And I thought to myself, like, Luanne is Julia's Wario. You know, from the Super Mario series, uh, we have, like, Mario and then the evil... <laughs> the messier, the messier version of Mario is Wario. Like I feel like Luann is Julia's Wario in this scene because normally Luann's singing scene just looks totally different. It looks like a Wario scene compared to this one. Julia seems so nice and is doing it for the right reasons and then ultimately sounded good. Meanwhile, Luanne's just trying to make a quick buck by singing to some gays in the microphone and she's not singing. I use that term loosely. I mean, I put air quotes around that because I don't know what Luann's doing, but I'm not sure that it's singing, but I love it. And I support them both. Both my queens, I want them to get in front of a microphone. However, uh, Luann is, yes, yeah, she's certainly Julia's warrior. Uh, okay, so then, let's see, Gertie, we do learn that Gertie, oh, this is interesting, she's afraid of birds. Yeah, she's afraid of birds, and I get it. I don't like a winged creature either. They're unpredictable. You just don't know where they're gonna go. I've shared a lot of bird stories on the show. My mom's got the bold ass woodpecker at her window, and I, I think I've shared the story of a, the bird flew in the house when I was a teen. And, and Christmas time has a lot of bird imagery, so of course we're we're having to deal with like a lot of the pigeon lady from Home Alone too, and the turtle doves, and it's like a lot of winged creature stuff happening around the holiday season. I love Christmas. I love Christmas, and I don't like birds. I do not care for them. So I'm right there on Gertie's side with this. And I was a little distracted by the husband because I find the husband very hot. And the scene was shot sort of like an A24 film. Did you notice this? Sometimes the cinematography on Miami, I'm like, I don't know if I'm watching Scorsese or Bravo because I feel like more than the other franchises, we get cinematography on Miami. Some of the other ones look so cheap. And then you turn on Miami. I'm like, look at all these colors coming at me and everything seems well lit, which is not always the case. Sometimes you're just getting uh, someone miked up behind a door, and they show that for 10 minutes. But on Miami, I feel like they're giving you, uh, I don't know, colors and film and cinematography. I don't know. It's In this scene in particular, the hus- hot husband, I'm so distracted because I'm like, am I watching uh, some 824? Is that Jacob Elordi? Like, what's going on here? It's beautiful. And then Russell says this thing when she, she's, Gertie's talking about her cancer diagnosis, and she's worried about him, her significant other. And he's like, your shit is my shit. Don't worry about me. I got your back. And I trust this man. And I do not trust a lot of men on Bravo. And I don't recommend trusting any of the men on Bravo because they will let you down every single time. Every single time on this podcast, I've been doing it for five plus years. Every time I've said, oh, I love Tom Sandoval or whoever, then suddenly there's a scandal And I'm like, why the fuck did I say that? Because you can't do it. So it's something that we should never vocally do. And yet here I am again, not learning my lesson and saying that I love that man, Russell. I feel like he, Russell has like a quiet Clint Eastwood energy. Like he'll fuck someone up. If he, you've, if anyone messes with his inner circle, he'll fuck you up. And I like that in a man. And I, so I trust him. I trust him and I feel good about him. And maybe I shouldn't, maybe that's the wrong thing to do. But right now, Russell, I'm ready for him to be my protector. And he's in a firefighter too. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. But I really like that man. And when people say who's the hottest house husband, I need to remember that because I think Russell is maybe the hottest one of them. He's right on up there. And I know, by the way, somebody should flag this moment in this podcast episode because I know down the line, I will regret this. I will. So somebody maybe make note of it because I'm sure in a year or two, <laughs> there'll be some scandal that breaks and I'll say, what the fuck was I saying? I liked Russell for. I do know that's the history. I hope that doesn't happen, but it probably will. It probably will happen. And so that's just something that I'm going to have to accept. I'm going to have to accept it. So somebody timestamped this. Maybe I'll put that in the episode description, like Danny stuck up for Russell, uh, November 11th, <laughs> November, 2023. Danny made that mistake again. Uh, okay. So then we see Lisa at home. She is, I think, was she getting her car taken away from that demon Lenny? I don't know. I was distracted by the pizza. You know, she ordered pizza for the kids, and there's nothing better. Obviously, I love my mom's cooking. My mom's a great cook, but I did love – anytime we'd order pizza, it felt like a special occasion. You'd get that pizza, it would come to the house, and you'd be like, oh, my God, this is the best night. And so I did have a problem with this her son, and I hate to – I'm sorry. I hate to talk about the kids. I hate to talk about the children. I know the children are our future, but I do worry about the son because he was touching a lot of pieces of pizza that he didn't eat. And so I know it was just a family time, so God bless but I'd just like us to maybe keep an eye on that for if he's in a public place, because sometimes you go somewhere with kids, and then kids with those dirty grippers, kids got so many germs on their hands, and they just run those dirty grippers all over the food at a party. Do you ever go to a house party like that or a birthday party with the kids? Yeah, you just see them dirty grippers touching everything. And so if you're a parent out there, you just need to, I know you can't control everything. You're all doing your best. You're all doing your best. Moms, dads, I get it. But maybe just try to wipe their grippers when you're at a public party, because I've been at too many parties lately where I go and I look and I see some eight year old touching the canopies or, or t- you know, I, I it's too much. It's too much. But I will say in general on Bravo, I feel like one thing that we don't talk about enough is just how good the moms are on Bravo. They're all even the ones that are like super monsters. OK, use your imagination about who I'm talking about. But even the super Monsters ones, it's like a lot of times they have pretty well-balanced, nice kids. And so I don't, I can't think of a whole lot of them. There might be a few, and I'm sure people will correct me, but I can't think of a whole lot of housewives who don't seem like good mothers. I can think of a lot of them who are maybe unhinged or crazy or doing in, in prison, uh, but I can't think of a lot that are just very clearly bad moms. And so I think we need to celebrate the momhood or motherhood on Bravo because all the bravo women are good moms and like they're oftentimes so fucked up in almost every other way but motherhood is good on all of them and so I'm yeah just want to say that to all them gals out there good job gals not easy to be a mom i'm not a mom myself but you know it's not easy and so if you're a mom out there you're trying your best I know I just gave you some advice about your kids' grippers. But otherwise, just know that you're doing your best. And so continue. And these Bravo moms, in particular, the housewives, good job. Good job. Uh, Okay, so then we see Nicole with her mom uh, and her son. And they have some guacamole. And Nicole's mom, I do want more of her. I want to know more about that woman because we've gotten to know the dad a little bit. And there's a lot of interesting stuff happening with the dad. But show me Nicole's mom a little more because I'm interested. And so the other thing is, too... The mom, Nicole and the mom, were talking about financial independence for men. And that is something that has been coming up on these shows for 15 plus years. And it's so interesting. Gosh, I have the chills just thinking about that. I have the chills. But for however long The Real House is Orange County, whenever that started in early 2000s, We've been talking about these conversations about women telling their daughters, whether it be the housewife talking to their mom or the housewife talking to their daughters, daughters, they have been talking about financial independence for men on this show for years. And that's a pretty remarkable thing. And it's so fascinating how that conversation has both changed in so many years, and also how similar it is when I think of something like even Ramona and Avery. Remember when Avery was a little girl on the early seasons of New York, and she was uh, – being taught about financial independence. And I don't know, I just feel like it's come up a lot of times. And it's a pretty important conversation. And also something I don't even know where I've seen in the scripted world. So it's another interesting facet. Uh, Then we have Martina and Julia. Martina's mad because Julia failed to recognize the end of her treatments. Apparently, it happened three days ago. And Martina keeps saying, not a peep from you, not a peep. And Julia forgot. But I, we got to give Julia some grace because she is learning opera for uh, both the television show and her significant other, and so I think that we got to grant her some grace. She feels horrible about it. I don't know. I feel safe with a lesbian couple. I just do. I I do. I feel like I could settle in their bosom and cry my eyes out. So when I was seeing Martina and Julia sit there, I I couldn't get mad at either one of them because I just wanted to lay my head in their bosoms in a platonic way, and I just wanted them to pet my head. And I just want to cry about life, love, and everything else that's going on, because I feel safe. Do you feel safe with a lesbian couple? I just do. I just feel like safer. Uh, anyway, Gertie comes to meet with them, and it's this beautiful. I already was prepared for it to wreck me because they were talking about their treatments and cancer, and and ultimately the scene ends on a laugh because Gertie's like, "Well, do you have sex on your treatments?" And Martina's like, "Yeah, I always, I always fuck during my treatments," and so that was a that was pretty nice. But. In general, what I like about Miami is that they seem to come together. So even when they're fighting at a Miami airport, I'm not worried about Alexia and Adriana coming together eventually. I'm not worried about any of these women. I feel like they ultimately do support each other. And that's. I think the thing that Miami has that the other women don't always have. And I hope that it stays that way. And I would like the other franchises to watch this one and see that although we definitely love those arguments and those petty fights and the dynamics that come from the layered relationships they have amongst each other, ultimately we want to know that we feel safe with these women and that they will come together and support each other by all of the outside influences from the demon men in their lives and uh, demon parents, or whoever it is that they're dealing with, because I think that's a beautiful thing, or cancer, or whatever they need to support each other, they will come and see each other eye to eye. Love when they see eye to eye. Um, okay, so then we cut to Larsa and Marcus, and they talk about this basketball game charity event. Larsa, it made me laugh. She said, Lisa always goes to the Heat games, but doesn't know how basketball works. <laughs> Ah, oh, just the visual of like Lisa at a basketball game, like front and center, just makes me laugh because I'm just imagining her head, just not, just not paying attention, and that happens. I, I actually like watching basketball games, but if you were to take me to like a football game, I would just it's tumbleweeds up in my head. It's tumbleweeds up there. I don't know what's happening in the in the game, or I was about to say what's happening in the show. I don't know what's happening in the show of football. I'm just, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't get it. I would like to get it, and I always say I'm going to learn. Uh, ultimately though, I don't think I'll ever learn. It's just, it almost feels like I have a blockage in my head from it. And so, uh, look, my head is filled up with Sonia Morgan doing a kick line and a tumbleweed. So I don't have room for football rules, but one day I would like to learn. And so I feel like a spiritual connection, at least when I hear that she goes to the basketball games and doesn't know how it works. Cause I just imagine her sitting there thinking about like, where am I going to get the stadium nachos? Like I, that's what I do at the games too. Take me to a baseball game. All I'm concerned about is some nachos and whether or not they have jalapenos because that's what I I like a stadium nacho but it needs to have jalapenos it needs to be you need to be able to add those i don't care if you got to pay 97 cents extra whatever you got to do just make sure you have some canned jalapenos because i need some heat speaking of the miami heat i need some heat on my stadium nachos so get with it stadiums i don't care sofi stadium if you're listening i'm going to need you to make sure you got the jalapenos with the stadium nachos cuz otherwise I went to um, a Dodger game once, I, and it's really fun. I like, I like walk, watching baseball, too. But I am mostly concerned at baseball games about like, the hot dog situation as well as the stadium nachos, and they have like, what's called the Dodger dogs. And the one time I went, I didn't realize it was like an all-you-can-eat night. They do this, I guess, a lot, at them, or maybe at least once a season they do this. It's like all-you-can-eat or fan night, or I forget what the fuck they call it. But you can keep going to the counter and getting new hot dogs. And they, it's like a foot-long hot dog, and you can get as many as you want. Oh, that was a good day. Don't know who was playing or who won, but I got a bunch of hot dogs and some stadium nachos for free, so I was all in. Uh, okay, so what's uh, how does this end? Um, next week on the show, uh, Adriana has gas in a van, and then <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love these shows. I love these shows. Yeah, that was the preview for next week. It was just like Adriana in a sprinter van, and she's like, "I got gas," and then everyone's like, "Woo, woo!" You don't want to be in a car with someone who's got gas, you guys. You just need a. You need a what? If you're going to be in a sprinter van with the rest of your cast, you need to make sure you're eating pretty. I don't know efficiently. I'm not sure what that means exactly. You got to know your own digestive system. I'm not here to explain it to you. Uh, I can is point you in the right direction of a doctor, but you need to make sure that whatever you eat and the day that you're getting in a cast trip in a sprinter van, you need to make sure that it's uh, copacetic because you just can't be eating anything. I wouldn't be having them stadium nachos if I knew I had to get a sprinter van with the rest of a cast of a TV show called The Real House of Miami. Or I wouldn't have it, the Dodger dog or any of that. I wouldn't I wouldn't have those extra jalapenos added to my stadium nachos if I knew I had to get in the a sprinter van with the group. And so, Adriana, that's on you. That's on you. And I feel bad for those other women because they're just, I don't even know where they're headed. I guess they're headed to that charity basketball game. I'm not sure where that's located, but God bless them. I hope they survived. Um, anyway, then we have Marisol versus Adriana. I, I got to be honest, though. I'm an Adriana stan, and so she, I love her. I love her. By the way, when I did the panel, I just have to say this disclaimer because I thought they told me I had tried to check that it was Adriana, not Adriana. And I was pretty sure they told me it's pronounced Adriana. But on the show, they always say Adriana. So I just want to give that disclaimer that I am so sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. But I do love her with all of my heart and soul. And that's not maybe always popular because I know she's maybe not the fan favorite on the show, but I love her. And so I just have to give that disclaimer, but they keep saying Adrian on the show, but I thought they told me because I, I made sure to ask about it because I wanted to be certain. So anyway, now i my head's confused about it, but anyway, let's take our break here and then we're going to come back. I want to talk uh, about Potomac. And then I also want to discuss the real houses, Beverly Hills, when they went to magic Mike. So we're going to talk about that after the break. I want to thank Acast. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. Also my holiday movie podcast is called the very Merry iconic podcast. We just released an episode covering the movie *Stepmom*. So my co-host Jenna and I we recap *Stepmom* and we go on lots of tangents detours along the way. But it's a really fun podcast. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. A very merry iconic podcast. And then get my book *The Jolliest Bunch*. I'm sorry to keep begging, but please get it. We'll be right back. That's one month for just $1 at Shopify.com slash Everything Iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash Everything Iconic. Look, the weather's getting warmer personal favorite. I always love getting new polos for the summertime, and they have a fantastic selection. I'm very particular about the collar, and I love the collar on the performance polos that I got. They also have versatile flow knit activewear, and the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands, and by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us, and Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes, which I love. feel good about shopping with them. Now, again, I got those polos, but I also got some shorts, some t-shirts, just some basics that I can wear year-round. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to Quince.com slash iconic for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Quince, Q-U-I-N-C slash iconic to get free shipping and 365 day returns slash iconic All right, I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website cuz I just want to check out real estate listings. Like I love checking out real estate listings even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was a pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy an experienced local Redfin agent, Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. And we're back. All right, The Real House is Beverly Hills. I just had to touch on last week's episode where they're in Vegas and they go to the Magic Mike show which Magic Mike has been running for years now. I've seen Magic Mike in Vegas great time. They have a touring company. So it's. I think they do a show in London. They maybe even have one in Miami. I know they're worldwide now. There's been three feature films. And with the last couple of movies, every time Channing Tatum did press, he was bringing out the Magic Mike touring uh, guys, and they were taking their blouses off and doing the dance. So we knew what to expect at a Magic Mike show. I don't feel like it's acceptable in the year of our Lord 2023 to not know what happens at a Magic Mike live show. And if you don't know, if you're someone out there thinking like, I have no fucking clue what happened happens there, then you need to go do your due diligence and hop online and find research, research, particularly if you're going to go to a Magic Mike live show. So obviously, this was set up by production, but Sutton could have looked into it a little bit, right? If she did not know, she seemed to know, though, because she brought all them singles, so she might not have known that they actually provide you with, like, Monopoly money to give them in without their blouses on, but she brought a lot of singles, so she must have been expecting a wild time, right? And so she goes to this Magic Mike Live show, and she keeps saying she's wearing pants. I'm wearing pants. I'm. Sounds like Cher singing. I like Christmas. I like Christmas. I'm wearing pants. <laughs> like, sometimes Sutton does sound like a foghorn leghorn to me, you know, in the best of ways. Anyway, she should have known what she was getting into. And she wore pants, and I'm assuming it meant she was wearing pants because she wanted to be dragged up on stage so that the guy could dry hump her right? In front of the crowd, which who among us doesn't want that? I went to Magic Mike Live too, and I was upset they didn't pull me on stage. I'm sorry. They're not picking a lot of men at that show. I think I was one of the only ones. And they serve you the drinks out of them fish bowls, which I don't know that anyone needs to be drinking out of a fish bowl, but that's a tale for another time. But you shouldn't be able to order a vodka soda out of a fish bowl. That's for fishes. You shouldn't. I mean, they literally serve it in a fish bowl. And they do that a lot of bars across the country. I know you go to these bars and sometimes it says like fish bowl, margarita or something. It's like that's a home for fish. That's not a drinking glass. That's not drinkware. And what's happening now at bars across the country? Now, I'm not someone who's saying that nobody should be drinking. I'm just saying that maybe we need to scale back and that could be a problem with excess in our country that you're serving vodka straight out of a fish bowl. A fish's home. So that that's where you put your goldfish when you win them at the fair and they die two weeks later. You don't just put your cocktails in there. Anyway, that's a, a whole another story. So... Sutton goes to this place and yes, yeah, she wants to get brought on stage. And then ultimately she doesn't bamboozle Jane and who else crystal was brought on stage. It was crystal's birthday. Bamboozle knows all the dancers and bamboozle was really winning me over you guys this this week and the last week. I'm fully on Erica's side and I'm not proud of that. And don't even yell at me in the DMs because I it's just who I am at this moment in time. And so I like her this season, and I'm sure I'll turn on her again, but they always put us on that roller coaster ride. And so I'm all of a sudden finding myself really into Erica Jane. And largely, I think, because she was so pro Magic Mike, and I love Magic Mike. And I'm so grateful to both Channing Tatum for delivering us this franchise, and also for all the men who are taking off their blouses in the name of our entertainment. So, anyway, Bamboozle's on stage. Uh, Crystal's on stage for her birthday. And Bamboozle is like really getting into it. You know, like this is getting. It's getting pretty uh, PG-13 rated. Obviously, everyone's still got clothes on. I actually think when they brought a Splits Richards on stage, that to me was more explicit because the dancer was like licking the whipped cream off her bubbies and then her leg and just all of her... Splits Richards, you know, if she... I don't know if she's gone to the other side with the honky-tonk lesbian or not, but either way, she must have been turned on because I don't even know if you're... I don't care where you fall in the Kinsey spectrum, but that man was hot and he was licking whipped cream off you. So and we also know Splits Richards likes the attention so she was probably just getting worked up just having all them audience people looking at her You know what I'm saying like Splits Richards loves she was raised and she was raised to perform five six seven eight You know, that's what big Kath used to say when she woke up Kim and Kyle every morning She said five six seven eight getting a kick line ladies and Kath uh, little Kath was the only one I guess who didn't do it Although I guess little Kath was in some commercials as a kid but otherwise I do just imagine Big Cat barging into the kids' rooms. Said, five, six, seven, eight, get in a kick line. And then splits gets in uh you know, does the splits for her mom and then Kim is does some monologue from Escape to Witch Mountain or whatever the fuck she was in. And that's how I imagine it. So she they're raised on attention. And so I think more so than the hot man without the top on or any uh, the whatever the sensory overload of vegas which is where they were doing this show at. i actually think splits richards probably liked the most that everybody was looking at her in the crowd but they do lick the whipped cream and so sutton that to me was i think more x-rated but i don't even think sutton saw that because she stormed out of the place she's like i'm leaving and then she's like i'm in the ballet or i'm on the board of the ballet and it's like who the fuck cares i mean i mean come on let's stop being so prude sutton i'm sorry but it it was alcohol fueled, right? Like I don't know that Sutton even really felt that way. I felt like Sutton just felt maybe neglected by the hot men. And who among us hasn't felt that way in the past, right? Like you you want the attention of the hot guy and then you don't get it and so you are upset about it. And so that's uh where Sutton ended up going wrong and she stormed out and then was blaming it on being on the board of the ballet or the fuck she was saying. Then she's blaming it on the pants. Uh, And then they get on the Sprinter van, and then ultimately we see Bamboozle Jane getting on, and Bamboozle's ready to fight. She was ready to fight, because you don't disrespect the Magic Mike men, who are her friends. And so I was fully on Bamboozle's side. I was like, yeah, she was disrespecting those hot men, and I don't like it. I don't like it. I think most of those Magic Mike uh, guys are gay, right? I guess they are. Am I wrong on that? Can we get some answers? We need to get one of them on the line. It is a good time, though, if you've never gone. My problem with the Magic Mike movies—here's my secret— I was very upset by the third one because I just feel like there wasn't enough nudity. There, I said it. It's my truth. That movie didn't, I don't even think there was any nudity in part three. And I'm like, what are we doing here, gents? (laughs) Channing? He took off his bottoms when he did that movie with Sandra Bullock and he got the leeches on his ass. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Lost City? It's like you're taking out your caboose for that, but you're not taking out your caboose for the Magic Mike part three. That's why nobody went to see it. I'm somebody had to say it, Channing if you're listening you better you better start working on part 4 and you better get everyone nude because otherwise people aren't going to the theater you got to get us in them seats it's hard to get people to the theater these days and so if you want if you want the movies to be as successful as the one you did with Sandy Bullock then you take off your bottoms and you put on a show i mean honestly it seems like nobody wants to get naked on screen anymore nobody wants... you fellas Get your ass in front of the camera and get naked on screen for uh, for the lady and gay movies because that's what we're into the theater for. We don't have we don't have time. We don't have the resources to make it to the theater as much as we would like. So you need to show some eye candy. We need we need something on screen to wake us up because we are tired. And so Channing, get back to the drawing board for part four. And you got these hot men who are all across the country dancing for people. So you figure it out. Um, Okay, that's all I have, I think, for Beverly Hills. I'm sorry. I actually wasn't even planning that much. But you know what? we got to talk about it. we got to talk about it. And then what else is up? Potomac. Potomac. Are you guys watching Potomac? Now Robin and Juan are a big old mess. And he's not that attracted to me anymore. I was so uh, attracted to Juan before, and now I don't find that man hot because of how he's treating Robin. I also don't like how Robin is dealing with the whole situation. I know her tagline says, I just took a DNA test and it turns out I 100% don't care, <laughs> which I love. I love those taglines too. the Candace one. I talked about this at the live shows, but the Candace tagline where she's like, I, when they go low, I just hit high notes. Maybe we need Candace to drive back in that recording studio because I'm not sure that I heard the high notes, but I love her. I love her and I support Candace and honestly drive back one of the greatest housewife songs of all time. And I'm so proud of her. Because, okay, you guys, Candace, can we talk about her musical career for a minute? Because I think she's been killing it. And I don't think Candace is getting the, I know I just sort of laughed at her tagline, but I do love a musical tagline, and I, it's all in fun and playful fun. But when it really comes down to it, I think Candace is like kicking ass on her music career. Now she's going to be signing with a bigger label, but her music is legitimately good, and she's honestly seemingly putting a lot of work in it. And I am just really proud of her. I would love it if they start playing Candace's music on regular radio and not just like and not just like house size fans we listen to drive back and stuff, but I want it I want Candace to go worldwide. I want her to tour. I want her to have like an Eras tour. It's just like Candace's Eras tour. And I don't even care if it's just two eras or one. Aris. I don't care if there's only two eras for her to go through. I want an Eras tour out of her. Or they should do like a housewives eras tour, or I don't know. How do we do that? Where it's like different housewives, meaning like the different eras are actually different housewives. So it's like, you got Julia opening up the show, doing her opera. Then we have Candace doing drive back. We have Countess Luanne. We have Kim Zolsiak popping on stage to do Tardy for the Party and Google Me. Remember that one? I don't think that was ever released. Google Me. But um, I think for Kim's portion of that era's tour, we definitely need Nini at the side of the stage, just reacting to Kim singing. Like, that's what I would uh, hope for in, in that scenario. Uh, anyway, I would like that. I would like that. So back to Robin and Juan. They're a big old hot mess. And so I do not care for him anymore. I just don't. I just don't. Uh, we had this week, we had a Ashley shopping for flowers. And I, it looked like she was in maybe the back of the Home Depot. And I always end up crying at the back of a outdoor uh, area of Home Depot, you know, where they sell the plants because of my allergies. But I also just find it very a wonderful place to be. Like I love the smell. So even though that it's making me cry, like my eyes tear up from the allergies, there is nothing I love better than like the flower pot section of a Home Depot. It just feels safe. It feels safe. It's like that or hanging out with like a lesbian couple. That's where I feel safest. So it's like if I'm hanging out with Julie and Martina. In the back of a Home Depot, which is probably where a lot of lesbians end up, ladies and my right. Uh, But I feel safest there. So if I had the ability to go shop for plants with Martina and Julia at a Home Depot, I'd be in heaven and I'd never feel safer. I'd never feel safer. Um, But Ashley's shopping with her mom. She's having a housewarming party. She talks about this new housewife who's a lawyer who moved to Potomac, obviously to be on the show, but they're not saying that she moved there to be on the show. That's the elephant in the room, though. And none of the women seemingly know her. Ashley like sort of knows her. She's like my friends connected me, and it's like no, the producers did, which is fine. Got to do that every once in a while. But it was a loose thread because even then, the New Housewives know knows Wendy through like a cousin in law, and says they met at a concert once. It's a thread. It's a loose thread. It's a loose thread. But apparently, Ashley and Candace they still hate each other. They're one of the great frenemy dynamics on Bravo. They still hate each other, and Candace and Michael have some sort of lawsuit. And we're not even learning about the lawsuit. I guess, like, Ashley says she can't talk about it? I don't know. I'd like to know what this lawsuit is about. Meanwhile, Karen and Mia meet, because uh, Karen is not here for Mia anymore. Because uh, Mia was uh, spreading rumors last season. She doesn't like that Mia was lying about her having sex in Vegas with some man. I wonder if they ended up meeting up with that man in BravoCon. Because didn't he live in Vegas? It was like some guy that Karen knew in Vegas. I don't know. Karen does say it to Mia, she says, "Let's talk about girl code." And every time I hear girl code, of course I think of Luann again. Luann is the ghost of this podcast episode because I feel like she keeps coming up. But yeah, her impact. Uh, Mia says that her and Gordon are going through it, and apparently at the reunion, Giselle had something said something about embezzlement, and Mia believed it, believed it for a minute, but now she doesn't. Now, Mia says she stopped drinking. She's no longer drinking. So I think Mia knows that she maybe spread some rumors that she shouldn't have, but she's taken a step back. And one of the things I want to say about drinking is that Vanity Fair article that we've talked about on the show and that I think a lot of you probably have read, but it highlights the drinking aspect of these shows. And I felt like it made it seem like they are pressured into drinking or have to drink. But I have to point out that a lot of the housewives, both presently and in the past, don't drink on camera. And I never found a problem with it as a viewer who recaps these shows regularly on the show. Of course, it's fun sometimes when they let loose or they have those drunk fueled moments. There are times when that's really fun to watch, even though uh, maybe we shouldn't be having fun. And that's on us as a viewer. And that's something we all need to reckon with. However, I never felt like I needed candy to drink. Candy doesn't drink on camera. Uh, Jill Zarin in the early days, she only had a Diet Coke. She never drank on camera, or I don't even think she drinks in real life. And I never felt like, oh, I need Jill to drink. Do you get what I mean? And uh, Kyle Richards, this season, she's not drinking. And now Mia is saying she's not drinking. So even when I heard Mia say, I'm not going to be drinking anymore, it's like, as a viewer who loves these shows and reviews these shows, I'm not like, oh man, I wish that wasn't the case. And I just felt like that, that article... It felt like reading it, they're pressured or in some way. And and that's not to say every show's different. Maybe there are other, certain shows that are more pressured than others or things that we don't know about behind the scenes. But I don't know. I just thought that was something we should point out. Uh, okay, so then Karen and Mia do ultimately decide to just be acquaintances. They're going to try to work on their relationship. They end their scene by doing a little parent trap handshake. Uh, then we have, oh, the scene with Candace in the office. She's signing to the new label. Uh, she's got to finish the contract with Monarch and then um, she's going to be doing something new, start a new tour. She uh, is asked whether or not she wants to have Drew from The Real House of Atlanta at her show touring. And Candace is like, no, absolutely not. She says, I don't feel like I need to do more musically with her, and uh, she doesn't need her to bring butts to the seat. And Candace says she's tired, and she she just, um, I get it. Touring is very hard. Some I just got done with touring, and I did, it was like two and a half weeks, and I got a little more travel left this year, but the the planes the hotels and i know i guess i'm not a good traveler i'm just an anxious traveler so maybe that's on me i love decorating the house and getting furniture but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space and so luckily i'm here to tell you about a company called cozy now cozy is fantastic a north american company that uh, anyway, then we cut to Robin and Juan. Uh, Juan tricks Robin into not being mad at him about going to the nail salon with that other gal. And uh, Juan, you need to cool it. You need to cool it. The new housewife we see looking at the new house they got for the show, too. It's six hundred or 6,000 square feet, five bedrooms. The husband's a medical doctor in the morning, a scrubs model by afternoon, and a nightclub owner at night. Okay, that's a lot of... It's a lot. It's a lot. And I don't... I don't trust any men in nightlife. I just don't. I don't trust the club owners. I don't trust the, remember that one season last season or the season before Chris, Candace's husband was like working late at some restaurant. Like I don't trust people that are working late and uh, give me a nine to five guy. And I know that the new house stuff, they don't have kids yet, but I just don't, I worry about anyone who works in the nightlife. And that's, I'm not saying every single man who works in nightlife. But to me, it's actually almost worse than, like, they say not to date athletes, right? Because they're traveling all over the country, and so they have these groupies throwing themselves at them. But the nightlife, I feel like, also has people throwing themselves at them, and they're up late, closing, and by the end of the night, it's like the only people that are around a nightclub by closing time are the people who are really trying to get laid. And so I do not trust... Eh, I do not trust it. I just don't trust them. Uh Dr. Wendy, now she's starting a new show. She should do, like... I know she's, maybe this is what she's doing, but like a view type show. She says something like she, it's a talk show, but she's going to be talking about politics and other things. And this has been something that we've said on this podcast forever. There needs to be a view type show with Bravo talent that airs during the daytime. I don't know why Bravo's so afraid of doing daytime programming, but they need to hop on board with a daytime show, daytime talk show, morning talk show. I don't know why they're so afraid of this. Maybe it's because they re-air Watch What Happens Live, which is, of course, great. But Watch What Happens Live is nighttime. I mean, I let me do a Rosie O'Donnell-type show in the morning on Bravo, please. And then also let Zen Wen host this View-type panel show on Bravo, because it, it's time we get into daytime. It's time, Bravo. Uh, okay, so then Wendy, she's looking for a name for the show. I think it's going to be called Wine with Dr. Wendy. I don't know if we should do wine with Dr. Wendy because I think that this is a daytime thing, Wendy. So I, you know, I love my Wendy. I love my Zen Wendy, Dr. Wendy. I really do love her, and so I'm ready for the show. I just, I don't. Maybe we need to keep workshop in the name if we're going to be in daytime, which is something I've decided. <laughs> anyway, then we see this Pilates uh, scene between Mia, Ashley, Karen, and Giselle, uh, and this is so incredibly funny because they're talking about karen having five percent calcium in her arteries which is not something that i want to take lightly but it is funny because it was being presented as a much more serious issue and she says it's not even a block it's just a deposit so i don't know exactly what that even means and so i'm sorry if i'm making light of her calcium deposits or whatever it is but uh i found it very funny the way they were editing this scene to make it seem like it was going to be this real dramatic reveal and then they also did like an 80s workout music video editing situation. And I worry about the editing tricks. I do. Sometimes too many editing tricks usually means bad scene or season. Uh, it's what it means. So you can always trace that. Because guess what? When they're doing these other shows that have a lot of content, go back and watch the like the scandal episodes of Vanderpump. Everything is pretty edited pretty straightforward. Like they don't have to edit in some musical opening number or they don't have to edit something to look like an 80s music video because the content itself is so riveting. So whenever I see these shows rely on these editing tricks, like, yeah, it's fun and funny and cute every once in a while. But when it's done too much, you know, it's a bad season. And so I'm not saying this is a bad season. I'm just saying it's something that we need to have our feelers up for. Because I feel like I've noticed it a couple times here on Potomac and and happened, I remember that Vanderpump season where they kept editing everything into like a medical commercial or a 80s sitcom opening or I don't know. It just It's like, yeah, the season's bad. So you guys have to do all this crazy shit, which God bless the editors that they're working overtime to give us some good quality entertainment. But I need the cast to step it up then if that's the case. Uh, OK, so what else is going on? Ashley's still married, but she's the only person on her deed. So that's good. She does refuse to talk about the lawsuit between Candace and the husband, that demon Darby. I hate that man. Demon Darby. They talk about Giselle dating Jason. I read the elevator with that Jason man in Vegas at BravoCon. And everyone was like, okay, wait. I, okay, I shouldn't tell this story. Sister Circle. No tagging. Do not tell anyone. Obviously, this should go without saying, but no tagging uh, when you're uh, on social media when it comes to anything I say on this podcast, because I do not want to get in trouble. But I did see Jason on an elevator, and he's gorgeous. So Good for him. But it was so funny because there was like another guy in the elevator that was also hot that was not talent. I don't think he was like a Bravo person, but all these people on the elevator were complimenting this other guy on the elevator. And Jason was like, Oh, now everybody likes him, or I forget what he said exactly. And I was like, Jason, you'll be fine. Like you're hot. Like you don't have to worry about it. Um, But it led me to believe that I think the Giselle and Jason thing must be over. Because it was just some, it was a quick little joke comment, but I feel like he's spiritually single now, or he alluded to the fact that he was single on this elevator at BravoCon. Now, my head's a mess, so all of this is a legend. Maybe I'm I'm making this up, but I'm probably not. Uh, anyway, so he must be single. I guess they're, they're done. But he is very good looking in person. I think better looking in person than he is. I don't know. Uh, anyway, then we have, I don't know if I, I, what happened with him and Lindsay? Wasn't there like a, on Summer House, a thing? They get pregnant or something. I don't remember. I don't want to speak on that because I'm not sure I remember. But I don't know. All these shows running together in my head. I don't know what's happening where. And now that they're all crossing over, it's like, wait, what show was he on again? He was on Summer House or was he on Winter House? Like, I don't fucking know. Uh, okay. So where are we at here? Uh, they have a Ashley's housewarming party. This was interesting. Mia arrives at Ashley's house. And she's like, this is cute. And Ashley's calling it a seaside chalet, but then there's no water. And so <laughs> Mia points out, uh, where's the water? Uh, and then Sharice arrives, and I I can't believe that Sharice is still filming. I just don't – I don't know who is really asking for Sharice to keep coming back. Maybe there are a lot of people that I'm just not aware of. But I did write in my notes, like, what's her Q score? So I don't know if you're familiar, but Q score is, like, how the networks measure likability. So they do, like, these some sort of testing situations, and then every one of their talent that's on screen – I think this happens with reality TV, too. I'm not positive it happens with everyone on TV, but the talent usually gets like what they call a Q score. So, for instance, when Friends was on, the Q score of Jennifer Aniston was really high. I don't know what the number was, but you uh, would know that she had a really high Q score, meaning that, by and large, the public all adored that person. So then when somebody has a really low Q score, they're usually taken off the television, Right. I just would love to know Charisse's Q score. So I don't, I, maybe if somebody's out there can give it to me because I'd like to know it. I want the number and I don't even understand how the numbers work, but I need the number. Need the number. Uh, then Wendy arrives at this party. She doesn't say hello to Jizzy or Mia and that there's still some tension there. I live for an awkward hello. Deborah, the Sesame Street friend from last season, she shows up at this party and she got a glow up. She got a glow up. When she walked in, though, it was so funny because Giselle, it was this really quiet little moment where Giselle says, Okay, shrimp. And <laughs> this isn't going to make any sense. But Giselle was at the buffet. It reminded me of uh, Meredith Marks on the rail in Salt Lake City when she's like, I think I'll have the Chardonnay. Like there was a little moment where Giselle just said, Okay, shrimp. She wasn't slurring, but she just said, okay, shrimp, as she was probably picking up a shrimp from the buffet, and it just really, it made me laugh, and it's going to be playing in my head alongside Cher singing, I Like Christmas. I like Christmas. Okay, shrimp. I like Christmas. I like Christmas. Ho, ho. Well, I know that I'll get through this. The Cher Christmas album, too, by the way, you guys, she does Santa Baby, and it's a very slutty version of Santa Baby, and I just applaud that, because... If you've paid attention to the Santa Baby lore, for years now, it's been getting softer and softer. And that started out as a whole anthem. It was a whole anthem for all of us around the holiday season. And then suddenly people started redoing it and remaking that song, and it got more and more sanitized. And I want to listen to Santa Baby, and I just want—you should listen to that song and think about Dick. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's how that song was meant to be sung. And so finally, Cher brought it back to its roots. And so I'm grateful. I'm grateful. It's her and Miss Piggy are doing the Lord's work by doing a sluttier version of Santa baby because everyone else better get back to the drawing board on that. I'm tired of hearing that Santa baby just being basic, you know, let's put the ho anthem back in ho, ho, ho. Okay. So then, uh, what else is going on? Robin arrives late. Uh, let's see. Charisse makes a joke about stealing some earrings, which, did you see all that stuff about the Salt Lake City housewives and whether or not Monica stole Lisa's ring? And there's all this... I don't believe that she did. I don't know why. Where It's it's coming up in all these blogs and stuff that Monica stole Lisa Barlow's ring. I don't think she did. There is some stuff, though, that's happening on Salt Lake City that's coming out in the blogs. And now Heather Gay and Sue and Monica, and Monica's suing Heather Gay for botched, uh, allegedly botched procedures at the Beauty Lab and Laser... And then Heather Gay soon her up allegedly didn't pay or something. I don't know the details. Everyone's going to have to go look it up, but it's some crazy stuff. Anyway, that's the end of the episode. Um, it seems like Wendy and the new housewife are going to have a interesting feud. I'm not sure. Neck of ne- the new housewife was wearing a C'est V blazer. Honestly, um, I think to honor Countess Luanne, because as we said, this week is sort of sponsored by Countess Luanne at this point, because she keeps coming up. And so that's how we'll end it. The new housewife wearing a chic C'est V blazer that I'm going to hopefully try to find. I need a chic Levy blazer myself. Anyway, that's the episode. I love you all so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And I do apologize that we're not covering Salt Lake City or, or more recently, uh, the new Beverly Hills Housewives. I am trying my best, touring, traveling. I'm doing everything I can to keep up with these recaps and not take too much time off. And so I don't know where we'll go next week. I think hopefully we'll get back to Salt Lake City. That's my goal is to just do Salt Lake City next week. And, uh, or wait, it's Thanksgiving week. Are we going to be off? I don't know you guys. I don't know where we're going to be at. Stay tuned, buckle up buttercup and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it. And you'll get the new episodes and just know that I'm doing everything I can to keep up with our shows. Uh, love you all so much for listening. Again, get my book. It's called the jolliest bunch makes a great holiday gift. And it's really a lovely book. And I'm so proud of it. And it's good. Um, it's also available on audiobook. And then, uh, yeah, I love you all. Shall we do our cheese little cool down? I feel like we haven't done this in a while. Let's take a big old deep breath in, big old deep breath in. Hold it. Ah, breathe out. Breathe out. Now I know I just said Thanksgiving's coming, and it's a week away. There's so much we all try to do in Thanksgiving, try to make all the food perfect, and try to invite friends over and make the tablescape. That's what I always focus on my tablescape in, and And you just need to find time to do things for you and to relax and get yourself care in because it's a lot of people, a lot of energy coming at you around the holidays, in particular during Thanksgiving. And so try your best to relax and chill uh, because it's a lot. Oh, that's the thing I wanted to tell you. I do have a special Thanksgiving episode coming out uh, that... I think we'll be on the A Very Merry Iconic podcast feed as well as the Everything Iconic feed next week. So that'll be out next Thursday morning, Thanksgiving morning. You'll get to hear that. And it's with my co-host Jenna Brister, but we have a really fun time. And I don't know, I always wanted to host the Thanksgiving Day Parade. And so we have a special episode that's sort of my version of a parade. My, it's mostly just us chatting about all sorts of different things that we hope people listen to while they're getting their Thanksgiving dinner ready. But we hope you enjoy it. And so that'll be on the feeds next week. And then we'll be getting back to all the Bravo stuff as we can. I love you all so much for listening. Stay safe, and we'll talk soon. Bye-bye.